Hello, my friends. I'm here today and I'm talking to Esse, who is um, talking to me from Assisi, Italy, where he lives with his beautiful wife and lovely new baby. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time it is in the country at this point. <laughs> Good morning to you. Very nice to see you. Very um, nice to see you too. Esse, I, I have met you here and there. Um, in different parts of the world over many years. And I have sort of gotten a glimpse of how you came to be a disciple, but wh where were you born? What was your upbringing? What kind of a childhood did you have? Uh, I was born in Uruguay, Uruguay. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as my upbringing, I, what do you mean, sorry? Okay. Um, what were your interests when you were a child? Were you an athlete, a scholar? I see, I see. Well, what I remember, and somebody may refute me if you ask my parents, I remember just being a happy child, really. Uh -huh. um, what were my interests? I just, you know, I like to be, I think, outside a lot. Mm -hmm. I used to be able to, I mean, not be able to, I just like to use my imagination in a lot of ways. I what do I remember? Hold on. I remember reading. I used to read a lot. Mm -hmm. I used to do uh, what do you call it? Manualidades. Making uh, models. Yeah, all, you know, paper planes. Just. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, no, I understand. I mean, I would take cardboard and paper, for example, and make little robots that would. Uh, uh -huh. Uh, move their articulations and stuff. I would draw a lot. Uh, I would like a lot of video games too, but my parents didn't let me play them too much. <laughs> uh -huh. so, um, yeah. So you, your first language was Spanish. Spanish was the language. Spanish, yeah. And Spanish. Uh, did you? How long did you live in Uruguay? Did you grow up completely in that country? I had eighteen years in Uruguay. Uh huh. Is and, it? Does uh, it is Uruguay like, is South America your primary home now? Or do you feel, um, you, you, do, do you define yourself by that country? Only when it comes to dulce de leche and football. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, the thing is that, you know, you asked about my childhood and, uh -huh. and teenage years. Uh, I was a happy child. I was not such a happy teenager, in fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was always a little strange. I never realized it as a child, mm -hmm. but I was. Um, and, you know, I used to go to this private school. I had my little group of friends. Not little. Mm -hmm. The whole class was my friends. We knew each other for many years. And the thing is that they started to grow. Mm -hmm. And I just never did somehow. Uh, so, you know. And I never realized this because they were my friends and I, you know, we were friends for many years and, you know, it kind of went unnoticed. They lived with my eccentricities and they lived with mine. I mean, they lived with mine, I lived with theirs. Uh -huh. But uh, after I switched to a public school, then I really realized I was really strange. Everybody that I was growing up, they were using new words that I had, you know, I didn't see the need for using, meaning, uh, uh -huh. bad words and stuff oh, they were into new activities why does everybody want to smoke when there's 11 i don't know nobody wanted to do the swings anymore because it was not things that 
grown boys do, and I just could not understand at all what's wrong with being a grown boy and still playing in the swings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the question was, where is your home? So I realized very quickly that uh, I was just very different, and as a teenager, I became very unhappy because I couldn't fit anywhere. Uh, so I really ne never identified myself as Ur Uruguayan. I never identified myself as a Canadian because I lived in Canada afterwards. Mm -hmm. And also of Italian origin, I'm a citizen, so I never identified myself as an Italian. But when I went to India, actually, that's where I felt most at home. So I, I still don't identify myself as Indian, but uh, that's where I can relax and be a little, you know, less... Uh, in a box, so to speak. Yeah. Does, yeah, does it make sense? sense? So what you were saying, in the teenage years, people began to have worldly interests. I mean, they wanted to just experiment with the, the pleasures and the so-called pleasures of the world, and that wasn't, that wasn't your temperament at all? Is that what you were saying to me? Yeah, I just didn't understand it. You know, all my friends were getting into girls, and uh, but not like this feeling of romantic, a beautiful thing that you see in the Disney movies. I like that. <laughs> but no, this was, <laughs> no, but this was not as you know. You know how teenagers are. I don't teenagers yeah. are. I don't want to start talking about it. Right, I understand. And uh, I was just so much of not a fit that I was very, very, very unhappy. And you know, I tried it for a while, mm -hmm. and it just felt very empty. It didn't work, but I didn't know anything else. So, right, exactly. Yeah. So how long were you in Canada then? Did Five years. You, did you go to college in Canada? Did you, did you go to college? Uh, well, in Canada, they have this thing, it's called CEGEP. It's like an intermediate step between high school and college, uh -huh. and which you can do it as an intermediate step or as its own kind of career building thing, like a mini college. So I did that. I did it in uh, information technology. Does that mean computers? Is that information technology. yeah pretty much <laughs> pretty much so yeah. af after five years in canada where did you go after that i went to india india so how old were you then when you went to india i was 23 i know you have a younger brother did your brother come with you at that time yeah did you come together so what took you to india at that point had you found yogananda what were you so so you have become unhappy you recognize you don't fit when did you find yoga or spiritual teaching? When did it come to you? Well, you know, my father, he was a Kriyaban all along. I never knew. He was a Kriyaban since before I was born. Really? So he, yeah. Uh -huh. So he kind of saw this whole process. And by then my parents had split, which really very much added, you know, my sense of security went down the drain. And so kind of saw where I was getting, where I was going. So he taught me meditation when I, and Reiki. He was a Reiki master also when I was 14, still in Uruguay. So, when we, so your father had answers and he was trying to give them to you from a young age, yes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't enough to really make you happy during that period of time? Did you meditate when you were a teenager? Uh, after 14, yes. Huh. But... Um, I mean, I, he, he, my father is very non-invasive, at least with us, he was very respectful. He really tried to not impose anything on us. Uh -huh. 
uh, you know, by teenage years, you don't speak so much with your <laughs> parents of what's going on. So he just had to sit back and kind of observe. And when really everything changed was on my 15th birthday, my father gave me the autobiography of a yogi. Ah, okay. That was my birthday gift. Uh -huh. So I, re I, I read that book and it was just wonderful. It was the first glimpse that I had had of that there was something more because of my biggest fear since childhood was that I was going to, you know, I had to eat, sleep, reproduce and die. And there's work, work, spend my life working. And there's nothing more to that. So I really did not want to grow. I had no clue what was the meaning of it all. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking since I'm eight, nine, it was just a huge thing. I couldn't see any sense of anything. By the time I was a teenager, I had kind of given up on it. So mm -hmm. when I read that book, The Autobiography of a Yogi, it was like a revelation. It was like, finally, I can see there's something much beyond anything I could have expected. And, you know, life is not this dry, boring, kind of empty thing that everybody around me is telling me. Mm -hmm. So oh that was, sorry. No, no. Uh, so, so that was the main point where I say that I got into spirituality. I started dabbling a little bit at 14, but it was at 15. I read that book. I think after six months, in my mind, it's like it happened immediately, but I read some emails lately that made me realize it didn't. <laughs> after <laughs> yeah. six months later or so, I became a member of Self-Realization Fellowship. Uh, by correspondence, they didn't have anything that I knew. So I started following Master and practicing Hong So to my most humble capabilities. Uh -huh. So then then you were, your family broke up. You get taken off to Canada with your brother. And uh, you have a sister also? Who's, yeah. Who also, yeah, the three of you. So you're in Canada now. But is Master still with you through this time when you're in Canada? Absolutely. Absolutely. Ever since I was 15, it was constant. Uh, for constant. me, there was no doubt, no anything. Um, you know, since I became a member of Self-Realization Fellowship, I've been following Yogananda in, to the best of my ability. Of course, but that's not small. So now let's go back. So now you've finished your, your career training and you're old enough to do something about your spiritual life, because now you're 22. And, right. And so you, you gathered up your younger brother. How much younger is your brother? <laughs> Three and a half years younger. How many? Three and a half. Three and a half. So you, you swept him up. He's also, and, you, and you, you all, you, the two of you went off to India, yes? Yeah. I mean, this brother of mine, I, in fact, we were invited for, by Swami to go to India. Swami Kriyananda? Yeah, I had... Uh, so how did you find him? So I moved to Canada when I was, eight, I was 18. By then, I was a little disillusioned with SRF because I had so many questions, I could never get any single answer. I see. And then my father had, again, my father had done so much research in the internet and he was telling me about this Kriyananda fellow who was a disciple and he seemed to have the teachings very undiluted and he was very sincere uh -huh. so he had given me a few books that i should read whenever i could uh -huh. and after i moved to canada that's a different kind of financial freedom that you have uh -huh. so finally i had money i had a 
card, I had an address to which things could be shipped. You know, this uh -huh. was 15 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah, 15 years ago, so it was not so easy to ship things to Uruguay. Uh -huh. I hope it's easier now. Uh -huh. So I bought the pad and uh, three other books. Uh -huh. And I read that. Anyway, slowly, slowly, you know, I started to go into the website of Ananda. And one time, a friend of mine from Uruguay had asked me a question. Uh -huh. And I directed him to an article from Swami that I found on the internet for an answer. But he couldn't speak English uh -huh. or read English. So I wrote to Ananda to, and I offered to translate for them. Uh -huh. I didn't know there was a whole Spanish ministry. I had no idea. Uh -huh. But uh, through that, I slowly, slowly got in touch with Ananda. I started taking the lessons the previous year, actually. Uh -huh. I got in touch with Napa, with Seva. Uh -huh. uh, I guess those were the main people. Oh, Bhakti Marg, of course. Uh -huh. uh, she was uh, Marga back then. And she spoke, and, uh, she's the, she spoke Spanish. She's from Spain. Yeah. yeah so you could yeah. Speak, you know, your first language. Yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. I think it was in 2007 that everybody was telling me, no, 2008, sorry. Swamiji is going to be in, this, uh, in the village this month, this uh, summer. So please come, please come, please come. Swami himself told me, I had been encouraged to write to him. Uh -huh. And he said, uh, I'll be in the summer this month, this summer. Please come. I would like to see you. So I want to just, so by, by now, you have a personal correspondence relationship with Swami Kriyananda. You just wrote him and he wrote you back. Is that what yes. happened? Yeah. Yes, which was unbelievable. Story. I had no clue you could do this to this very important person. Uh -huh. uh, actually, Bhaktimar was the one who suggested I should write to him. And I was like, no, to Swami Kriyananda, you can do that. Uh -huh. <laughs> But, uh, I wrote several emails to him, and he was always very kind, very sweet. But, so he um, suggested you come, and he would like to meet you in person, yes? Yes. Yeah. So, so I went to the village for five days. I met you there. I don't know if you remember. You, were, you just happened to be there for the Sunday service. Uh -huh, I see. Um, well, I remember meeting you many different times. So, <laughs> seriously, all you know, different countries and different places. So right. I'm sure that that it was 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 Barda with you, or you were just yourself. No, I was alone back then. This was this was my secret, not very well kept secret, but it was this whole <laughs> spirituality thing was my secret so far. I see. Um, but when I did meet Swami, he invited me to come to Ananda. He suggested actually a CC, but then I asked him. Because back then he was encouraging young people to go to India. Uh -huh. And uh, I, I felt very attracted to that. So I asked him, would this be a good idea? He said, yes, I think it would be very good. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, my only problem with coming to Ananda was that what happens with my siblings? I, I, I think back then, you know, it's hard to remember, but back then I was their financial support. and I see. Or some sort of support. I just know that I didn't want to leave them behind, abandoned. Yeah. And he said, "Well, bring them over. They can come too." And also <laughs> your father. Bring your father. <laughs> so that's what how Bara, uh -huh. my brother, also came. Uh -huh. And so now, so now we're in Canada. So now we're on our way to India, and you've got your brother, but your sister is going to stay in Canada. Your sister didn't come to India. No, she did not, actually. It took two years between Swami's invitation and uh, for me to pay my debts, get the money, and work out the visa. Uh -huh. In that period, first my sister was interested and 
leaning towards there. My brother did not want to do anything with it, <laughs> but then somehow it flipped. Uh-huh. In the last half year or maybe year, um, but I decided to come. I had no, not even an idea why. I think he will tell you because it took me like three years to know how he decided to okay. uh, join. And, and I saw it on a video. He didn't even tell it to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he gave a discourse about it. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's how it happened. By then, my my sister was in a relationship, and uh, she was happy in Canada, so mm-hmm. she never came. I see. So you and and Bara, and I will be talking to Bara. There'll be an interview with him. So you and Bara go to India. You've never been to India before. No. No. So you went straight to Swami Kriyananda, or did you did you travel around? Uh, we went straight to Jamal to the monastery in Pune. Uh-huh. But Swamiji, he actually back then was in America in Los Angeles, and he was, uh, you know, threatening, not threatening, you know, saying that he might not come back to India. Uh-huh. So it actually took a whole year and a half before he came uh-huh. to India after that. A little less since I came, but... Uh, so so what, what were you doing? What was life? So you and Bara went into the monastery. So that's what you just said. With, with I you. went to the monastery because Swamiji had told me that, you should be a, I think you should be a monk. Yeah, he said you should be a monk. Uh-huh. And uh, but I was, <laughs> he just followed. No, we were all monks uh-huh. in there in Pune, uh-huh. so he, he he kind of got swept into that. Uh, uh-huh. as, at least as far as I know, he will tell you how he did it for real. <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. So yeah. how how many men were you? Where did you live? How did you live? Um, well, when we came, we lived in an apartment in the city of Pune. I think we were seven of us, something like that. Was uh-huh. Around that. There was always seven of us anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and after a couple of months, we actually moved to the land, to the, you know, what is now the retreat, uh-huh. except it was much more bare. It was wonderful. We had a tiny kutir. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the size of one of the, how do I say it? The size of a normal bedroom uh-huh. divided by four, uh-huh. and those were the rooms we had to stay. Uh-huh. Then again, there were not enough rooms, so I had to live in a tent outside. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I ever had my own room in my time in the monastery, I, I, but I, I really loved it. It was really, really nice. It was wonderful to feel I don't have anything. It, there was just a lot of freedom with that, something I don't know right now at least not outwardly (laughs) actually I lived that way myself for a decade and I had very little and I looked forward to having less it was and I know exactly what you mean it was (laughs) 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 so how and so then Swami arrives and you so you now you're living where he is did you see him often during those years or I mean during that time or was he yeah, from that moment, uh-huh. actually, I went to Italy a little bit before, the summer before he arrived in India. So uh-huh. from that moment until he passed away, three weeks before he passed away, I was always with him. Uh-huh. Uh, well, okay, yeah. there were there were gas, but as, as far as I remember it, as far as it's here, it was a constant, constant, constantly there. And, uh, you know, How most of the time, in whichever community he was, I was there, so... That's what I remember is you, you were sort of a sadhu where he went, you went. Tell me, tell me what it, 
what it meant to you to have the opportunity to be with Swami like that? How did it affect you? Wow. Mm -hmm. um, that's uh, quite a question. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, this may be a shame, but the first thing that comes to my mind is that I wasted those years, but I think almost anybody feels that way. Yes. That if I knew now what I knew back then, if I knew then what I know now, I could do so much better. Yes. But let's see, for me, how do I say it? You know, for me, it's always, everything is about people. It doesn't matter so much what they say. It doesn't matter, well, what they do is part of them, but when I'm with somebody and they have a certain quality, I very easily attract it to myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and just being with Swami, it, you know, it was not only that I felt that God was right there in that form. It's that I could much more easily feel that God was also inside of me. When I was with Swami, it, it seemed like God was right there, that I had only to have to make a little effort and I could find him. Uh, and just his presence, it just brought that out of me all the time when he was there. Mm -hmm. Whatever he had that I could see, as long as I was open, because then I had some trouble um, later. But uh, as long as I was open, I felt that that also existed within me and it was trying to come out. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just a huge sense of joy, of freedom, of everything. Like, I cannot even describe. You're doing a good job of describing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like there was a vastness within me that uh, I guess it has to always be there, but in Swami's presence, it just, I could feel it. I could almost tasted it was yeah. what to say it was just wonderful wonderful and you know he would do speeches he would do all of these things but to be honest i read so many of his books i i, I have memorized all that i had memorized all the teachings mm -hmm. um, long before i didn't need to hear more of these courses it mm -hmm. was really his presence his presence was everything Mm -hmm. It really was, and just being having the chance to and to see him in action, to see his kindness, to see his shininess, to see him, you know, his smile, everything, the way he he just had this amazing shine to him. You no, know? he he had a glow, a huge glow. I, I don't know. I'm just getting too happy just thinking <laughs> of that. It, uh, yeah, it was all inside what it meant, but it meant that an expansion of my heart, an expansion of freedom, of inner space, inner, all the good things you could say, um, it was there. Yeah, well, actually, that was, what you just said is exactly what I would say. That's exactly, um. that's exactly how I experienced him, and that's why it was such a joy to be around him. Because when we were with him, we believed in ourselves. I mean, we just, you know, he gave us, he gave all of us confidence that, that we could be just like him. Yeah. Yeah. With, with a little bit of effort, of course, but. <laughs> but he made it seem uh, very reachable. 
Yeah, he made it seem very reachable. And he gave you a, a, an example of the goal. He could, you could feel it there, so you knew that you really want this, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. So how has it changed since Swami left the body then? You know, since he's not physically present anymore, which has, of course, been some years now. How, how do you feel his presence now? Well, I cheated for a little while because, um, you know, I used to be very close to Swami, Swami Gyanananda. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, I was never attracted to him as a guru or anything, but he's... I'm just going to explain for a moment. Gyanananda is a Swiss yogi who lived in India for 30 or 40 years and was also a disciple of Master. He lived in Rishikesh and many people knew him. So tell us then. So you were close yeah. to Gyanananda. Yeah, so in his presence, it was, it was the same. I mean, it was not as, it was not as direct, you could say, but uh, it's a little hard to, I think I'm being a little self-defensive right now because I don't want to be misunderstood. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, uh -huh. That same openness, that same things that I used to feel when Swami was there, uh -huh. I also used to see feel with when he was there, when Swami Gananda was there, right. and it will bring me back to that. So I, I cheated for a while <laughs> because <laughs> I, I could still get, still get my fix, so to speak, uh -huh. and then he passed away. And then he passed away. And after that. Well, you know, it's uh, what was the question? How to keep the same level of inspiration? Well, more, I, the question is, what has it been like for you? You know, Swami's left the body now. Gyanananda's left the body. So, where are we now? How do how do we keep ourselves inspired? Or how do you do you still feel Swamiji with you? Which yes. is another way of putting it. Yeah. Yes, I mean it has. You know, the story continued after he passed away. So without going into all that, yes, up and down, but uh, very much so. Um, again, generalizing the, the, because I went through a very difficult period after, even before Swami passed away from like 2012 till 2015, mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of turmoil inside. And during that time, it was it was just difficult because I was not clear. Mm -hmm. uh, in, within, but uh, after that, when I kind of started to come out of that and started to feel what I was supposed to do without, you know, giving into my whatever I wanted to do, whatever my fears were, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I remember you, you know this, but I've always been a little skeptical or mistrustful of the organizational side of Ananda, especially after Swami left the body. So mm -hmm. I always kept myself a little like this after Swami left. Uh, but, you know, that way I was not going anywhere. I was just stuck. Uh -huh. And um, I remember this offer came from God of, like they wanted my help. And uh, I really wanted to help because I love everybody here. They're all my friends, my family. I'm just very mistrustful of organization. Uh -huh. But I, I still had that fear of getting too much into it and in becoming an organization man. Uh -huh. Uh, so I prayed and I felt that Swamiji wanted me to do this 
so in, in, you know against my better judgment you could say uh -huh. i accepted the position and and it was wonderful i could feel his presence again oh. happily there in my heart and uh, oh. so it comes with that when i make a clear choice in life but not only the big choices smaller choices anything when I try to clear, when I clear my own feelings, my own likes, dislikes, or thoughts, or opinions, those opinions are very dangerous. Uh -huh. and, I, and I just try to think what is right, then I can really feel Swamiji's smile in my heart, and that is when I really feel him. The other way is when I speak about him. I used to enjoy a lot giving classes in Pune, or especially satsang, not so much classes, just because I got to speak about him. Like I spoke about you right now. I was extremely moved just by remembering that. Yes, exactly. And, um, and when I write about him also, those are the three main things that I can think about. Those are perfect, absolutely perfect. Gaurav, <laughs> Gaurav was offering you a job to work for Ananda India. And yeah. is, that, is that what you're still doing? You live in Assisi, but do you still work for Ananda India? Is that what you're doing? I give them a hand with whatever free time I have available. Uh, I mostly work, you know, right now I work for Ananda in America, Italy, and India. I see. Just uh, all, all Ananda? Is that what you you were saying? You work, you work, you do Ananda work? Because I know you're you're an online expert, and that's what. So what you're doing right. work for everyone now. Okay, I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit. Essay that was really beautiful. Thank you for telling me all that. That was very clear and very from the heart. And, oh. and, and very much echoing my own experience. I really appreciate that. Now, I know you have a beautiful wife and child. When did your wife come into the picture? Where did you find her? <laughs> or where did she find you? Or where did Master send her? Where, well, what, it, what country? Where did you meet? You know, this. Uh, we met in Pune. Uh -huh. uh, she came for a visit uh, I think 2013 it was. No, no, because Swami was still there. So 2012, end of 2012, mm -hmm. uh, she came on that visit. I was a monk back then, uh -huh. and uh, she was a shy, small girl. Uh -huh. uh, not small girl. Uh, she was how old was she? I maybe 20, uh -huh. um, 19, 20, something like that. Uh, I mean, we just interacted normally. We've been friends since then. And uh, I only got to know how things worked for her much after. But I'll tell you right now, one of the things I respect the most about her, uh, I mean, she knew she liked me for a long time before I could reciprocate. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and she had to go through so much in my wild ups and downs, you know, living among, getting into another relationship, et cetera, et cetera, things that don't come to the topic. But well, while I was a monk, she would not even think about it because I was a monk and she respected that. Mm -hmm. And that is something that unfortunately I don't see so much perhaps. And uh, it's one of the things that makes her, makes her extraordinary in my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, you know, after it became clear that, she, you know, she told me that she liked me. Mm -hmm. I still didn't want to do anything to do with it. Um, mm -hmm. Just, you know, personal likes did not match whatever she, as beautiful as she was in terms of she's beautiful outwardly. Although I never realized it because until much after we were together, just because she does not put herself outward like that. Mm 
So that's another thing I respect. Um, you know, she's pure. She's extremely sincere. She's so wise. My God, I'm scared sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know, she had all the best qualities, but I was just not smart enough to want <laughs> to be with her. And, you know, there was a lot of drama involved just because she is very open and I was very uh, taken with someone else first and also kind of having sort, sort of fear of commitment, I think. But uh, this is another of one of those decisions that I always, I often say it's the best. Uh, it's one of the wisest decisions I've ever made, or most difficult, I don't know. Anyway, we are at this point in which I realize we are very, very close. We had some time together in Assisi. We were very good, very compatible, very good friends. I cared for her a lot. I still was not interested, uh -huh. but I realized that the way things were moving, she had a right to expect something. Right. And, uh, and I would be hurting her if I did not go for that. And, right. and at the same time, I had been putting out a certain kind of energy, which I didn't necessarily want to, but I had put it. Yeah. So I, again, I prayed to Swamiji, to Master, what should I do? I don't want this. I want to be a monk. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer came very clear. You have to be with her. And I was like, no, I want to be a monk. Uh -huh. And the answer still came. You have to be with her. So, you know, we actually got together before I even wanted to. Uh -huh. And... It took me a little while, maybe a couple of months, but I grew to realize that is the best decision I have made. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think it's a miracle that somehow I had that clarity of mind at that moment to be able to go for that and stick to it long enough to make me realize that uh, it's such a blessing. I have described all of her good, well, not all, some of her best qualities at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, I'm just, I, I'm just extremely grateful. I think I'm very, very, very lucky, not only because she is who she is, but also because somehow I managed to take that decision at the right moment, yeah. uh, not thanks to my own whatever. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I, I had some help from above, I think. Oh, I say, thank you so much for sharing that. Well, just as, you know, what you described though is what, you know, how do we make our way in this world? We go in circles and then finally Divine Mother, Swamiji, Master, Somebody just grabs us by the scruff of the neck. <laughs> and like says, this. Enough, yeah, enough, exactly. <laughs> enough of your opinions. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I say, yeah. I think we could talk a whole lot longer, but our allotted interview time is now done. That was absolutely lovely. And well, I just thank you for opening your heart so beautifully. It was really well, thank you. It was, it was very nice to be able to relive some of these things and yeah. it's beautiful for us god bless you my friend <laughs>